Fresh off our final show of the year, we just got done with the Wausau Muskie Expo. This is Backlash Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, with Team Rhino Outdoors, joined by my co-host, Brad Hoppy. Brad, it's been a whirlwind muskie show season. We started off in Chicago, made it to Milwaukee, then we went to Minnesota, and I went to Wausau, and we're finally done, and now we get to now I get to join you on the sidelines. How's it been the last couple of weeks not having to worry about shows? I'm sure you guys are still crazy busy. Well, Jeff, you know, the show's definitely put a little wrench into the whole system, that's for sure. But, yeah, you know, we're kind of back to, to the normal grind, and I think uh, you'll find yourself there in probably a week or two as well. I'm thinking it's going to take a little bit longer than a week, but we'll we'll see what happens, right? I mean, I got to – I uh, Brad, I mean, I told you a little bit when we're pre-recording. So I get home late Sunday night. We had our free shipping weekend again, our last free shipping weekend of the year, and then we came back home unloaded the trailer it was supposed to rain this week most of the week it hasn't yet thank thankfully and it's already tuesday we're definitely under the gun again brad but anyway so unload the trailer and now i got totes and totes and totes and totes of stuff sitting in the shop that need to get put away so i think it's going to take more than just a couple weeks to recover well i i will be honest there's still quite a few nika customs and a bunch of other stuff that needs to be uh photoed and put up online but uh you know, it all kind of finds its way. It just takes a little bit of time. So, Brad, I personally, and I'm sure you want to do the same, I want to thank everybody that took time coming out to a show. I know that this year we didn't really know what to expect when we were at these shows. We didn't know what kind of crowds we were going to deal with, a lot of unknowns, especially since it was our first show season back from, you know, last year when we did everything online. And we just want to thank you all. I want. I mean, every stop that we made – we heard about people talking about the podcast. We, you know, I, I got a lot of suggestions on, you know, what people like, what, what they didn't like necessarily, which was very, very few. I'm sure there's got to be more of that out there. It can't, it can't all be positive news. I know we're not that good. But, you know, we just want to thank everybody for every stop that we made. And we want to thank them all for the podcast support. Thank them for supporting our two businesses and for coming out because, you know, without people coming to those shows it's really meaningless and so you know once again we just can't thank you all enough for that it was uh it was great to see all you i mean we had lots of great fishing conversations i'll talk about a little bit about a couple conversations i had during show season in a little bit but you know brad it it was really good to get back on the road and talk fishing yeah absolutely i mean for a lot of the case different people that i end up seeing at shows I maybe see once a year, you know, and I've said that a couple times throughout this winter during the show season. And it was really cool to, to reconnect with some of these individuals that you just don't see unless we're at a show. So it was awesome. Ditto. I mean, I thank everybody for, uh, for showing up and hanging out, spending some money. And uh, it, it really feels good when uh, things go right. So one thing Brad and I want to talk about is, so we don't have a guest this week. I'm running on fumes basically. Like I said, it was a it was a long night Sunday after we coming off the show, and then yesterday I literally spent all day in the shop catching up on on orders. So if you placed an order over the weekend, everything's shipped; it's all gone. So that's a plus. But like I said, we don't have a guest. I didn't want to take the time to necessarily line one up, and I didn't want to take the time to edit a longer podcast. We're just it's just a little bit busy this week. We promise we'll make it up to you. So here's a little teaser. Brad and I have been talking about doing something different for the month of April. And this isn't going to be the whole month, but just a part of it. 
a couple people have probably maybe heard when I talk to people at shows, they might have heard what our plans are, but very few people know about it. I'm just going to throw a little teaser out there. We promise that in the month of April, we're going to make it up. Well, Jeff, I mean, you've got a couple things up your sleeve, and I think uh, if we do this right, it could be really cool. I think the timing will be right, and, you know, you got the wet, the nicer weather. I mean, the ice is melting. I drove over a local river here this morning. There's Most of it's broken up. There's just some big chunk ice left in most cases, and so the one thing I really do enjoy about the Wausau show, you know, kind of leading into that, is that, like, that's not only is it the final show, but it's also, like, you're so close. I mean, now at this point, the weather starts to get nice. You can probably start pulling your, you know, like on a weekend, if we get a nice sunny day, you can probably pull your boat out of the garage and start, you know, going through your tackle, sharpening your hooks, changing out your leaders, your line, whatever, you know, rituals you have, get your batteries ready to go because it's, it's fishing time. I mean, you know, the people in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Iowa, Ohio, Virginia, I'm sure I'm missing Illinois. Most of Illinois herds open. I heard the fox chains ready to go, and uh, they're all out fishing. So it's it's that go it's go time, Brad. Yeah, it truly is, Jeff. And and if you want to get out and go, guess what? There's some options. You know, you you just hit a bunch of them right there. I mean, you miss Kentucky, Tennessee. There's a ton of options if you want to go scratch that itch. Think about that. Literally, it isn't as far away as you think in a lot of cases. So, I mean, if you look at like the Chicago land, if you're in the Twin Cities or you live in Madison, you can get down there real quick and actually enjoy some musky fishing way before all your other buddies do. Yeah, I think there's a maybe a slight chance I'm going to even get involved in some of that. And I'm, I would imagine, Brad, with everything you got going on, there's probably a chance you're going to sneak out somewhere south before, you know, things get rolling in Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. I I have to, you know, I mean, I really want to try to do 13 episodes this coming season with uh, Mayhem's 10,000 cast. We need to get the ball rolling. I want to have a little bit in the can before, uh, before Minnesota opens. That's for sure. Unfortunately, Minnesota anglers have to wait second longest. I think Canadian anglers have to wait the longest, but you know, quite honestly, Brad, even, you know, if you're not hitting up one of these Southern destinations, the musky opener in Wisconsin, I believe in the Southern part of the state is just May 7th. So you know, even by the time they hear this podcast, I mean, those anglers are only talking like five weeks before, you know, their their season's going. Usually, like I said, about now you can just start getting your gear ready. And by the time you get your everything, you know, finalized the way you want it, it's time to start the season anyways. Yeah, it's amazing. Even in the last two weeks, Jeff, I mean, we're still up here in the winter wonderland as far as snow. But uh, finally starting to see a little bit of grass and uh there's tons and tons of piles of snow and drifts, but you know, it's wild. But in the last couple of weeks, I've seen quite a few boats getting pulled around. And I know there's guys going out to South Dakota, fishing the Missouri river already. And so I know the excitement's real and, and people are hungry. They want to get on some open water. That they do. I know I do. A couple conversations I've had at, at some shows and it's going to sound a little bit infomercially on this particular part, but so we go around and we stop at all these different expos and, we have anglers that fish from essentially all over this, the area. And like one bait that still always shines through that I hear a ton about, and I understand it's an expensive bait, but, you know, supernatural big baits are one of those baits that does it for a lot of anglers in a lot of locations. And, you know, this past weekend I was in the Wausau show, and I heard another story, and I saw another picture. 
and I just had to bring it up because I think, you know, especially anglers in Wisconsin, I know the stale, the sales numbers for Minnesota and those anglers embrace the, uh, the supernatural baits, the matlocks, the headlocks, they definitely use them. But I think, you know, in Wisconsin, maybe Illinois, they're still underutilized. And I have a few people that came up to me and they showed me some pictures and one of them against a Northern Wisconsin inland fish. And if you saw it, you'd swear it was 53 inches, but it just gets the size, the length of it gets dwarfed by just how ridiculously fat this thing was. I mean, Brad, this thing looked like it ate two basketballs. It was that fat, a legit 40 pounder out of Northern Wisconsin. And like I said, it sounds infomercially talking about these baits, but personally, I don't get paid anything from Duff. I just really like, I like the baits, you know, myself, but it's just to kind of shed light on some of the fish these things are capable of catching everywhere muskies swim. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I mean, it's always been incredible. And, you know, the other thing that's kind of incredible is Duff started the same year that we did with Muskie Mayhem um, in 05. And so it's been right around 18 years. And it, it's just, it continues to be one of those baits that dominates when it comes to trolling. But there's also the other side of that. And when you start casting those baits throughout the season, you'll find some success as well. So an incredible product, definitely something that you want to check out. The one thing I'll say with, you know, his baits though, is Duff had to break down that price barrier door. Like when his first stuff, when his stuff first came out, it wasn't widely accepted to purchase an 80, 90, hundred dollar crankbait. I mean, it's, you know, it's weird because like people would look at that thing. And they'd be like, there's no way I'm going to spend 80, 90, whatever, hundred dollars on a crankbait. And now, I mean, it's, there's so many of them that are in that price range. You know, your diving rise baits, a lot of them are up over 150 bucks for these, you know, boutique diving rise baits that it's just crazy. I mean, that, that was a door he had to kick down and clearly he's done it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know that we kind of were in that same realm when we came out with a blade bait that was $25 and people thought we were crazy. You know, it's all associated to some of the work as well. So you got to look at some of those ideas, but ultimately, I mean, he found his niche and Supernatural is here to stay. It's a staple in the industry. Absolutely. Well, Brad, you talk about the work that goes into it. I mean, oddly enough, when we were in Minnesota, Duff invited us to come check out his shop and where our setup was going plenty fine in Minnesota. So it's like, Hey, we might as well spend an hour, go check out Duff's operation. And you know, he's got quite the, quite the setup, much like every other bait maker. It's weird. You go into these, like every bait maker I know for the most part is you think you go into their shops, they're all meticulous because of the type of people that these bait makers are. I mean, they put out these exquisite works of art, but it's like the behind the scenes, it's definitely not like everything's a well-oiled machine as far as this goes in this place and that goes in that place. They're kind of, they're, they're really scrambling, you know, as far as production goes, you know, like they're nothing's super organized on a lot of these bait makers. It's kind of cool how that works out. They all put out beautiful works of art, but like the behind the scenes, I want to say is a disaster, but it's a little messy, which is pretty cool. Cause it's, it's a common theme I see with a lot of these guys. Well, the daily uh, routine does not always allow for the cleanup, I guess. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's something that I guess Carrie and I always try to make happen. We try to keep things organized and clean in the shop. But you know as well as I do, it's kind of like the little bit of load that you're in right now, Jeff, coming home from a show and you got baits all over the place and you're trying to figure out orders and orders come first, right? 
Right. I mean, if you look at our shop right now, it's not exactly the cleanest thing. We try to swing it back around and get it into a, some reasonable form of you know organization, but it doesn't always happen. The other thing I've noticed is with a lot of the bait makers, I've gone to their shops, and how many of these guys like to tinker around with new designs? Like how many of them have multiple, multiple designs behind the scenes that are like, I don't want to say ready to go, but like they're a tweak or two around away from like production base. That's, it's always such a cool thing to see too. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you got to stay, if you want to be ahead of the pack, you got to stay on it, you know, and continually trying to do R and D and developing new products. So doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I mean, you'd see it in our shop. I guarantee you see it in everybody else's as well. So Brad, that's enough of my supernatural plug. It's just one of those things. It's, it, kind of surprises me how many of those things we see from time to time you know from every stop that we go there's certain baits that guys want to show you they're they're looking at a bait and they're like i need to get one more of these because look at this is what it caught on the one that i had i mean brad though i would imagine you know as a bait maker you guys see a ton of that stuff that you know pictures of i would say giant fish stuff that never it's never shown on social media well honestly jeff i think one of the things that's always kind of blown my mind is especially at shows you get to see this a lot but even i guess maybe the undertow of the musky industry there's people out there that are probably better fishermen than most of these recognized fishermen that never talk about anything and they kind of keep it to themselves and they keep it close at guard and those people will sometimes want to show you some pictures and it's so cool to see because you know nobody's heard of this guy it's joe blow he lives in whatever. He's catching massive, good, giant fish, you know, consistently throughout the season, but nobody even knows it. Right. It's pretty cool how that is, too. And I guess maybe that's one of the things I enjoy about the show is just all the different the different people you meet, you know, the, the one guy that fishes here and the other guy that fishes there and, like, how people attack things differently, kind of like what we try to show, you know, on a week-to-week basis and in our podcast. I mean, just because we get in it. You know, we'll get an angler on from wherever. Maybe he's outside of the areas that you fish. But if you listen to the stories, there's potentially stuff that he can, you know, that you can learn from that particular angler that you could apply to your own fishing in the areas that you fish. Well, it's not all about location, right, Jeff? I mean, I know people like to chase a bite. Oh, such and such a lake is on fire. Need to get there. Need to get there. If you're chasing that bite, usually you're going to be late. (laughs) It's just the way it works. But what you can do is chase exactly what they are actually doing to accomplish that bite and then apply it wherever you do fish. And and that's the key. It really, truly is. It's amazing. Like I can talk to an angler that's in Kentucky or I can talk to an angler in northern Wisconsin and what they're doing, I implement that here <laughs> and definitely it puts more fish in the boat. It's amazing how things kind of work. And so... I guess my my piece of advice would be don't chase the bite, chase the info on how to get the bite and apply it wherever you're fishing. That's perfect advice. So now the other thing, as I talk to people at the shows, the one thing I've taught I've heard about from people is they're like, well, you guys should talk more about, you know, specific bait uses, you know, modifications, things you should or shouldn't do in the boat. Well. I talk to people that are looking at plastic baits and then they'll say, well, I store them here. I do this with them or I don't know how exactly the conversation ends up turning to. I guess what we'll say is lots of anglers store their baits in Plano boxes. Wouldn't you agree with that, Brad? 
Oh, for sure. I, I myself do that as well. One thing that people don't understand is these Play-Doh boxes are basically like heat traps. And so, you know, I've had people are like, oh, well, my bait did this or my bait did that. I'm like, well, did you store it in a Play-Doh box? And like, well, yeah. Okay, so here's a little public service announcements. If you're using plastic baits, such as a, it's not solid plastic baits. It's all these two-piece plastic baits. And I'm not, I'm not saying these baits are lesser than other baits. It's just an inherent problem with the baits. So if you use a two-piece plastic bait and you store it in the heat, basically the plastic starts to give off a gas. And the gas literally has no other place to go except it needs to escape because it keeps building up. Well, eventually it splits your plastic bait in half. Some of the examples of baits that could potentially have this problem would be like a 10-inch Jake, 6-inch Jake. I know depth raters will do it. I've seen on occasion like a 22 short will do it, a 22 long would do it. And again, I'm not trying to pick on those particular baits. It's just that's their makeup. That's how they are. That's, I guess, we'll say what makes them good, right? I guess my public service announcement is do not store your plastic crankbaits in Plano boxes in the sun. Make sure if you have them out, you store them away. Don't keep them on the dash of your truck, things like that, because you could potentially have issues. And I had probably five or six people say to me, like, well, why don't you guys talk about that on your podcast? So I guess I'm bringing it up. Kind of a boring topic, but there's my public service announcement. Brad, you got anything to add to that? Well, it's amazing. You know, I mean, over the years, I've seen some different tackle boxes and there was a company, man, I don't even know, 12, 14, maybe even longer years ago called Dunright. And they made uh, bump boards. They also made tackle boxes and they were really cool. But if you started putting some of your rubber baits in some of those boxes and they got hot, you could end up with a big old mess. I think Lakewood even had that issue at one point in time. So, you know, it isn't just those hard plastic baits. It could be the rubber baits as well. And you definitely want to keep them out of the sun. Our baits, it's pretty funny. I mean, the flashaboo laying on the front deck of the boat, if I left it lay there for a month and you're in the sun all day, every day, you'll see some fading in that flashaboo. So, you know, keeping your baits out of direct sunlight, I think, is a huge key as well. Yeah, I was going to mention that as well. I mean, even if you have some of these high-priced wood baits, you know, it's best to not have them stored in direct sunlight as well. And again, I mean, this might be sound really basic and, you know, kind of boring, but it was just something I heard come up at, you know, through multiple conversations that shows that I felt like maybe we should address here on the podcast. Maybe it'll save your plastic bait from potentially having any issues. That's all we're looking at here. I'm not chastising any baits. It's unfortunately, it's it's the nature of the beast, right? I mean, we're out in hot days. A lot of us are. And so it's just you know, kind of one of those things. Yeah, I think a lot of cases too, Jeff. I mean, people sometimes are storing their boat outside. Maybe they got it covered. You know, there's a lot of heat associated inside that boat. When you start thinking about it, you got a black cover on your boat. That boat is probably 15 to 20 degrees warmer inside there than it is an air temp outside. So, I mean, you got to take some of that into consideration too. It's like basically a little oven kind of a boring topic but i just thought it should be i think people are hungry for those basics you know what i mean there's a group of people out there right now it's new anglers they don't know any different so i i don't think that's bad i think we should try to touch on a little bit of the basics every show speaking of that so sometimes i assume that some of our listeners are maybe a little more advanced in their learning you know but i guess maybe i should think that sometimes they're 
newer anglers looking because they're the newer anglers are maybe the ones that are even more hungry for information and so i mean i heard it multiple times at the at the at the shows that we attended they're like a lot of what i know about musky fishing i learned from your podcast and uh, i mean i was kind of blown away but i mean at the same time i do like to think that we present information that's useful every single week you know barring this week aside right brad well you know i it's hard to know every topic that we should actually uh, touch upon, right? But ultimately, I mean, I hope that we're helping some people out there, and and that's the gig. And if we're missing the boat, shoot us a, an email or a, a message on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and we would be we're all ears, right? I mean, we're trying to make the best of our show, and we want people to be happy. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, we said on every episode, you could email us at backlashpodcast at gmail.com, and eventually we, we will return your email if you have some something you want us to talk about, some guest you want us to get on. And, I mean, although at this point, we, we can definitely take guest suggestions, and we will certainly do our best to get to them. But I guess, fortunately, there's no shortage of guests that want to come on the podcast. And, I mean, I don't know, Brad, you and I maybe have never talked about this. In the beginning, we kind of had to, like, ask people, Hey, do you want to be on our podcast? You know, and they're like, podcast what? Like, what do you want me to do? Is it, do we got to be someplace? We do a phone call? You know, it's kind of like a foreign deal. But now, it, you know, nowadays, it's just like the people come out of the woodwork. They start texting us like, hey, when can I get on an episode? It's it's a nice change, and it's pretty cool. I, I'm, it makes it our job a little bit easier anyways. Yeah, you're right about that, Jeff. I mean, even myself, I'm, I guess I knew what a podcast was, but I didn't have any idea when you asked me to to jump on the show with you what it all entailed. But uh, it's relatively simple in the sense of using the phones. We don't need to be standing next to each other. But, uh, you know, ultimately, it's a super cool platform, and I'm really, really happy to be a part of it. Well, I'm pretty glad that you're a part of it because I know I heard, I think it was... I might have the name wrong, but I think it was Bob from Agency Bay out of Leech Lake. He was telling me how great that you are and how happy he is. How happy he is that you're on the podcast. Says that uh, you ask the best questions and that I'm the one that kind of pulls it all together. So I guess that's good, Brad. I mean, the, the listeners like you. I'm just here to do your editing for you and do the recording end of it. Well, I can't, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say there. Um, I appreciate that and the kind words, but you know, ultimately, um, it takes both of us, Jeff, and you do all the hard part. So it is what it is. And I, I appreciate, uh, the kind gestures from a lot of different people that have spoke to me at the shows and, and so on and so forth, whether they've reached out, you know, via email or however. So it's it's cool. It's been a super super fun ride, and it's not over. We're uh, we're gonna continue this. We got some things up our sleeve, and I think we're uh, we're just gonna continue growing, Jeff. Yeah, certainly hope so. And you know, Brad kind of teased it. We got some things up our sleeve, you know, coming sometime in April. And w- once you see what it is, and we'll let you know. But it, you you won't. It'll be unmistakable. You'll know this is the time, and this is what we're putting out. But. Anyways, that'll happen next month. As long as I can pull it together yet, I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going to get all the time to do this. But we will do it. A little bit of a teaser, like I said, again. And, you know, if, again, you know, we just, I I brought up the email address, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. If there's a topic you want us to talk about, a guest you want us to talk about, something basic you want us to know, you want to know more about, whether it be Brad and I talking about it or a guest talking about it, certainly Send us an email and we'll, 
you know, we'll talk, try to talk about that. We'll even ask our guests about it because I'm not bringing as much to the table. Like, you know, Brad said, he's the brains behind the operation as far as that goes. Well, come on. I never said that, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, Brad. And by the way, I didn't, I didn't take offense when, when uh, I was told that, you know, you asked the best questions. It wasn't like a slap in the face like, hey, Jeff, you pretty much ask nothing. But, you know, there have been a few episodes where you just let it run. I think it was when it was a Danny Herbeck episode. I mean, I was there, but you wouldn't have known it. Well, it goes both ways, Jeff. There's times when uh, when I'm ultra busy and maybe in a little bit of a slump. I mean, it's teamwork, and it takes both of us. There's no doubt. Like I said earlier, this wouldn't happen without you because, believe me, I wouldn't be editing this too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brad, I don't have much to talk nonsense about too much. I do want to say a couple things. You know, if you haven't been to our website, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. We have some new companies. We're adding new stuff. If you haven't checked out our social media, do so. We will be obviously posting when the stuff arrives. And then we also have, let's see here. I got a little bit, a short list. So I got new colors in Bit and Tackle Warlocks. I got new colors in Toothy Tough Baits. I got the Fat Tails from Whale Tail Plastics. I have new colors in Musky Mayhem stuff. I have them up in, I believe, the Showgirls, but I still need to get Juniors and Triggers up. Pandemonium Tackle, 7-8 Marvins are here, and we just got a pile of Drifter Hellhounds in that need to get online. And we have some new colors coming from them as well. So lots of new stuff coming to our website. TeamRhinoOutdoors.com is the website. And Brad, we haven't pimped out Musky Mayhem Tackle enough. Why don't you talk a little bit about that in case people want to come find you guys. Well, it's really easy. You can go to MuskyMayhemTackle.com and you can check out our website. You can order right off of there or you can go to any of the, the major retailers, carry pretty much all of our product. As far as new stuff, we have the new grenade this year. And it's been a pretty good seller. We're hoping to get them into the retailer stores here shortly. But it's been kind of a building process to get all that taken care of. But uh, we're making the moves to go that direction. You can check out Musky Mayhem on YouTube as well as Facebook and Instagram. So once again, I want to thank all of our listeners for taking time out of their schedule to listen to this episode. I know it probably wasn't the episode that you hoped for and you wanted. We promise we will make up for it in April. I know for a fact that we will. If you're looking for information, stay tuned for April. I mean, I'm going to keep teasing big things, but there are definitely going to be big things coming. And I hope that, you, you know, you all stick around for, you know, what's sure to be an exciting fishing season. With that being said, we want to thank everybody again for listening. Thanks for coming out to the shows. And we'll catch everybody with a new episode again next week. Mm-hmm.